We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope your week went well and that this show is maybe, I'm really believing and praying that it sets you up for the next coming week and that I think you're going to really enjoy this topic. Now, make sure that if you missed last week that you go to your favorite podcast server and you can listen to the show that was on Is God to Blame or Do You Blame God? And so I th- it was very helpful for me to write it, and I've got great feedback from people that listen to it. So make sure that if you, if you missed that show, you might want to go back and listen to that. So today, we are going to talk about Do Not Be Afraid. And I think it's really important for this time, in just in our lives and history, that we have a lot of things that seem so unsettled and things that we used to take for granted as a given is now completely upside down, inside out, backwards. And so of all the times that maybe we have needed to really think about not being afraid, I think this is one of the most important times that we are facing some things that are pretty fearful and seem pretty outside the box and pretty outrageous. And so I say to you today, do not be afraid. And furthermore, don't believe everything you think, don't believe everything you hear, and don't believe everything you feel. You always want to make sure that your belief, what you're believing, is firstly with God. And so Deuteronomy 31.6, this is one of my favorite memory verses, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. 
He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So this really comes down to a trust issue. This isn't necessarily a cognitive issue. Now, we can rein in our mind and make sure that we are thinking thoughts that are supportive and not fearful thoughts. But this really is a trust issue with God. When he says, do not be afraid, he's saying that as, as to a little child. So if you have children, if you've been around children, babysat children, or even pets, right? We're wanting them to know that they don't have to be afraid. We've got it taken care of. We know what we're doing. And even if we don't, we have resources to figure it out. So God is saying to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so trust is learned very early in life. And it starts when we are newly born. So you have to understand that part of the first thing that you learned once you were outside of the womb was if you trust your caregiver or not. So don't forget to be a little child with God. He, he truly is the person that you can give all your trust to. So honoring God is trust. Think about how you feel when someone trusts you. What a compliment that is when someone says, okay, I trust you. You'll take care of it. I trust you. So when we, when we trust God, we're honoring the one who died for us. So ask yourself, what do I trust more than God? Money, power, possessions, favor, popularity, positive feelings. So why is it that God is oftentimes our last resort? See, this is what's so important when we think about this idea of peace. We can be afraid, worried, upset, on edge, and still be at peace. Because peace is what I'm believing in. Worry, upset, being on edge, and afraid are, are, are feelings. And they are passing. They come and go. So this is a choice versus, you know, making sure that we are not buying into the current feeling that we have, but we are letting time reveal truth to us. Be willing to wait for the experience, not just what you're imagining. Letting time tell the truth to us versus believing our feelings. So frequently, I will, I will tell a client or say to a client, don't believe everything you feel. Don't believe everything you think. See, feelings are passing. They come and they go. And thoughts are passing oftentimes. And oftentimes, our thoughts are reflecting our feelings. And so I, I do this when I work with, with men, and, men and women about body image. We get so worried about how we look, and we're sure that maybe we've gained weight in the last two minutes, and we jump on the scale and the number is still the same. And I say to people, feeling, you know, feeling fat, that's really not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an experience, and it's one you've memorized. So what we want to do is memorize this idea that God is who he says he is, and he is always going to be God. So I, I love this acronym of, for the word fear. And, you know, we spell fear what? F-E-A-R, right? And what, what I say to clients many times, fear, the acronym for that is false evidence appearing real. So fear, if we're doing fear appropriately, then it means that we're doing life afraid. And sometimes we do have to do things afraid. There's lots of things that I've done 
that I was uh, afraid while I first started doing it, but I was very grateful that I let God give me courage. So what I want you to realize is brave people are those that recognize fear, focus on the goal, letting fear energize them versus paralyze them. So I'm going to tell you that that saying again that God gave me. Brave people are those that recognize fear and focus on the goal. Letting fear energize them versus paralyze them. So we have this beautiful word in the Lord, and it's Luke 24, verse 36. And it says, peace be with you. And John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. He says, peace I leave with you. That was one of the primary elements, primary um, constructs of Jesus. It's one of the, the primary elements of who he was, was he is a God of peace. And so when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm leaving you with my peace. Because he knew that we would have trouble finding peace within ourselves. You see, little children are able to come to peace, be at peace, if they trust their caregivers. You, you know this with your pets as well, right? As long as they're with you, they think they're going to be okay. And so this is part of understanding just the way that God made us. So God says, I'm leaving my peace with you. You don't even have to manufacture it. You can just borrow from me. And you've probably heard me say many times this saying that God gave me that says, worry and peace cannot coexist. So I'm either going to be at peace or I'm going to be worrying, agitated, upset, discontent. But I can't do them both together. They're, they're polar opposites. And neuroscientists have discovered this interesting phenomenon about the human brain, that it's like an on and off switch. And this comes from a book I've referenced many times called Words Can Change Your Brain. It really recognizes that your brain cannot focus on both a positive and a negative feeling at the same time. Now, this was this huge discovery. And as a result, they also discovered that the brain will always pick up the negative before the positive. And this is a, an unconscious survival mechanism. It always wants to go to where the pain is and try to alleviate the pain. So we have to redirect our brain to focus on a positive. And when we focus on a positive that is truly a positive, what does that do? It starts to calm down whatever that upset was. See, our brains are always trying to help us, always trying to help us avoid pain. And as a result, it will focus on a problem rather than on the solution as a way to change it and protect against the pain of the problem. So it's kind of like this weird defective hardwiring in our brain. Maybe it came from the fall, I don't know. But our brain focuses on pain. And not only does it focus on pain, but it begins to collect and retrieve all the past experiences that you have had to really validate your fear. And so it says, oh, you think you're afraid now? Well, remember all these things that happened before, so you should be afraid. 
Remember how that event never worked out. And you tried that and you failed at that. Because our brain is trying to protect us. So we all know the famous verse, Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. This, this simply means the more I worry about people, places, and things, and situations, the more anxious I become, and the more my mind finds to worry about. Instead of focusing on what is, my brain begins to focus on what if. What does this mean? Well, Matthew 6, 25-34, this is in relation to worry and anxiety. The what is in this passage is, is all that God does and will do. The what if becomes our striving, our worrying, and our anxiety about tomorrow and what it holds and what we need to do. And we begin to be anxious and scurry about inside of ourselves or even outside of ourselves, trying to prepare for an imagined pain that we think might happen. This is Cynthia I with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about Do Not Be Afraid. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out all your different podcast servers for the show. Send it to your friends. I always appreciate when you do that and love the comments that you make. So we left off in this last segment when we're talking about this idea of do not worry. Do not be afraid. And Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34 is really all about the relationship we have to worry and anxiety. And this is out of the Message Bible. It says, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't have to fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you can count far more to him. You count far more to him than the birds. So has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk around out into the field, look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. So if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over all things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to God 
and to what he's doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And I really realized this when, and I'll give you this example. I, I have a cat and I came home and recognized that um, she was thinking she needed to be fed. Now, I have this big bag of cat food. And when it gets low, I go buy another one. She never has to worry about being fed. In fact, probably she should worry about being overfed, right? We love to give little treats to our pets. So this is imperative that we recognize. In her life, I'm godlike. I'm the one that's, that's manufacturing and making sure that her life is working. I'm the one that controls her environment. I'm the one that makes sure she gets her needs met. And she trusts me. She doesn't have to worry. So think about this aha moment. So you're more valuable than a little cat. So you can't add a single day to your life. But what you can do is adversely affect your physical health in major ways. So listen to this. Worry, and this is by a, a current medical doctor, he said, is like sand in the machinery of life. As we are conquering the physical side of disease, we're losing the battle on the mental and spiritual side. We know almost everything about life except how to live it. And another doctor admits, when I find a purely physical cause of disease, I begin to feel like a doctor again. The British Medical Association claims that 60 to 80% of physical problems are rooted in our thinking. According to another heart specialist, it's not so much our arteries that are the problem as our attitudes. The effect of worry on the body is well known to all who are involved in treating physical problems. Clearly, worry takes its toll on our physical system. And no organ in your body is immune to worry. So you need to stop worrying before your health and effectiveness as a Christian is weakened. Now, this is not easy. We need to take captive all our thoughts. And you can use what we as practitioners of the mind call the positivity ratio. It's more than just positive thinking. See, we must maintain the highest level of positivity in order to counteract the effects of negativity on our bodies, our spirits, our souls, and our relationships. And we have found by taking a picture of your brain with an MRI scanner that neural changes in your brain happen within one second of thinking a negative thought. The amygdala releases dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. It thinks that it needs to go to battle. And so these brain chemicals immediately interrupt normal functioning of the brain, especially those involved with logic, reason, and problem solving. So in other words, negative thinking and worry puts you immediately in survival mode. And the more you stay focused on negative words or thoughts, the more you actually damage key structures that regulate your memory, feelings, and emotions. You may disrupt your sleep, your appetite, and the way your brain regulates happiness, longevity, and health. So I tell you this only to show you why God says so adamantly, do not worry. He really knows what he's talking about. It really harms us and lowers our effectiveness. It's a waste of time and energy to sit around worrying about something. I tell clients day in and day out, and I remind myself repeatedly, if I can't find a solution, 
if I can't figure it out, I need to stop thinking about it. Now, that may seem strange, but what that means is I'm saying to God, this is a God-sized problem. And if I try to figure out a God-sized problem, I'm going to get more and more upset, more discouraged, more worried, and heartsick. So this means we don't really even need to have faith to believe the truth about what God is saying regarding this issue of worrying. We have current evidence, scientific evidence, to tell us why God says, please do not worry. So what gets in the way of peace? Well, there are, there are two camps. The first one is holding on. That's having a spirit of fear. See, worry, carrying my burdens, negative thinking, it's a lack of trust. So it's the holding on, it's the focus. The second camp of why I, I, what gets in the way of my peace is being at war with the world, other people, or myself. It's wanting it my way. It's resisting God's will. It's making opinions more important than relationship. It's refusing to forgive others and myself. It's judgment, thinking I'm better than others or doing the comparing and contrasting so I always come up in a one-down position. This increases our stress to a degree that is unprecedented. See, both A and B, those columns, have the same effect on our brain and our souls. They are both ways of living without peace. That holding on, that horrible focus of being at war, war with the world and others and God and ourself, both of those forms of worry and strife harm your brain and make it harder to not worry because you start to memorize this state of worry, the state of upset. So again, worry and peace cannot coexist. So Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three. I've told you these things so that in me you would have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Good afternoon. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining in. And if you're just tuning in, make sure you go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com or any of your favorite podcast servers, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So we're talking again about worry and peace cannot coexist. That God is adamantly reminding us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, if you have children or pets, you know what that's like. You're, 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 you're not afraid, but they're afraid. So what do we want them to do? They borrow from us courage. They borrow from us peace. If I'm at peace, my cat settles down. If I'm at peace, my friends settle down. If I'm at peace while I'm driving, oftentimes it affects drivers. If I'm at peace then oftentimes clients will borrow that from me. They will, they will begin to feel it while they're sitting there. And I'm wanting them to memorize it. You see, John says, again, 
This is 1633. I've told you these things so that in me you would have peace. In me you would have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. He also says in Philippians 4, 7, The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So why, why is that verse so important? Well, I always want to understand. And so this is how I used to try to find peace, Cynthia's way. My insistence on understanding, see, replaces my dependence on God and my trust in Jesus. So I then enter into worry because I'm now trusting my own understanding, which means I'm depending on me for things I cannot do or have any control over or have adequate knowledge about. So this can quickly spiral into worry and fretting, which is unhealthy to my mind and my body, as we discussed earlier. And it's very destructive to my relationship with God, other people, and myself. See, if we're not careful, we begin to look for peace in anything else but God, which means we go to the external world to find our peace rather than our own internal world, which is where Jesus lives. So in other words, we go outside of ourselves by looking drugs, alcohol, dreaming, money, power, relationships, other compulsive addictions. And so this is where you want to think about this. We end up getting into this if-only-then mentality. That my peace is out there somewhere. So if only, if I were married, then I would feel loved and secure. If I had money, then I would have peace and security. If I didn't have this problem, if I had a better job, if I lived in a different country, right? So what is your if-only-then? What do you have a tendency to focus on as this concept or idea for you that if I just had this, then I would be happy? So what I want you to say to yourself is, if that really were true, why would God withhold that from you? If he's all of who he says he is to us, if he died for us, if he wants to be with us forever, why would he withhold the very thing that would help us? So... My if only then, I've had to let go of. I've had to say, you know, God, that's my way of finding peace. And it has not, it has not given it to me, and it has not worked for me. So how do I address and change this tendency to worry? Well, it's a choice. It's a cognitive decision to change the way I think. My mind is really the only thing I have control over. And if you're anything like me, you probably have a difficult time <laughs> controlling it. See, my mind has a mind of its own. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it really does. And as a result, I must decide that my brain works for me, not the other way around. I don't follow the thinking of my brain. I tell my brain how to think. And I challenge my thoughts. I don't just believe everything I think. And I'm willing to give my thoughts to Christ so that he can bring them into the light and shine more light on them. I can't have peace until I'm willing to speak or address my own truth. So what is true to you? And what you may find is that it's simply real. See, what is real and what is true are oftentimes different. Because the truth comes from God. He establishes truth. We don't establish truth. 
we need to find truth and discover truth. So this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And this is imperative when I'm working with clients. Because, see, our thoughts lead to feelings. And our feelings lead to actions. So instead of trying to change the action, why don't you change the thought that led you to the action? Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and just so appreciate you spending time and sharing these uh, podcasts with your friends. I really appreciate you just really trying and working toward being the best version of you. So we left off talking about this idea that what we think needs to be tested by God's truth. Because what we think might be very real, and I tell this to clients frequently, and and God gave me this great saying. He just really said to me, Cynthia, feelings are very real, but they're not always true. So my, even my, my, um, what my perceptions are, they may be very real to me, but I may find out they're not true at all. So I want to make sure that we, uh, that I do second Corinthians 10, five, and it says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, what does that really mean? It means I don't believe everything I think. It means I don't believe everything I feel. It means I make sure that I run it by God and I say, you know what, God, I have this thought, it's quite negative, and I don't think it sounds like you, but it feels so real to me. I don't know how to change it. So how do we do this? How do we stop worrying? How do we trust? Well, this is a relational issue. It's a trust issue. So I remind myself frequently of who I know God to be, and I remind myself of what he has done for me in the past. He's done so many things for me. And I ask myself, who has broken trust with me in the past? And I repent of carrying that broken trust into my relationship with Christ. Reminding myself of my past experiences with him, I tell myself, what has God done for you? What are all the things that he has done? And I remind myself of who he is. And he has never let me down. In fact, if anybody has broken trust in my relationship between me and God, it's me. So I remind myself of Second Timothy 1.7. And it says, For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power a spirit of love, and a sound mind. So many times I have clients do what's called a cares list. And I have my patients write down everything that burdens them, everything they care about, what stresses them out, so that they can begin to let it go. And an amazing thing happens to your brain when you write it down. It doesn't have to think on it anymore. It doesn't have to work on it. It doesn't matter how big or small the care or concern is. It's the amount of thinking about it that will stress and damage the brain. It's how much and how long I think negatively that damages and stresses the brain. 
And then it will translate to the entire body. Because, see, remember, the brain is an organ like any other organ in your body. It has a very powerful function. But your brain can't live without your body, no matter how important it is. However, the body can live without the brain in some ways, ironically. Just not well. And so I'm not saying completely without, you you know, your body can't live completely without your brain, but we have people that are brain dead and still living. So this is what I want you to think about. The way you think affects your body directly, which directly affects the way you subconsciously run your life. And so Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 30, he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So think about this. How heavy is a glass of water? Maybe eight ounces, right? I mean, the absolute weight doesn't really matter, but it depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it's really not that big of a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I'll have an ache in my arm. If I hold it for a day, (laughs) you might have to call an ambulance. In each case, the weight is the same, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. My muscles become tired and weary. And this is the way of worries and burdens. See, if we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, the burden becomes increasingly heavier and we won't even be able to carry on. So as with the glass of water, you have to put it down. Put it down for a while and rest before picking it up again and working on it. See, when I'm refreshed, then I carry on with burden holding. And this is when I'm refreshed, I can carry that burden much better and I don't add to the burden. So early in the evening, practice putting down all the burdens of the day. Don't carry them through the evening and into your night, affecting your sleep. So 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I have learned how to do that. When I have something that's going on and on through my mind and I can't seem to let it go, I say, oh, I need to cast that on God. So what I do sometimes is I write that anxiety, I write that burden, I write down the fear, the upset, the hurt, whatever it is that I can't seem to let go of. I write it down on a piece of paper and I place it inside of my Bible. And I just say, God, that, that's yours. I, I've thought about it so many times, I can't do anything about it. So I can't worry about God-sized problem. And, and what you want to say to yourself is, what's actually a God-sized problem? Whatever is bothering you is a God-sized problem. Whatever you can't fix, whatever you can't figure out or solve, whatever you're not managing is a God-sized problem. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. See, these are unsolvable to us. They're burdensome. They feel unmanageable. And some of that is what we've been talking about in the last couple shows regarding what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world. They're unsolvable to us, and they feel unmanageable. And so instead of focusing on how God will solve it, or if he'll solve it, or if he can solve it, when he'll solve it, I focus on relationship with him, on who he is and who I am not. And I accept this life of uncertainty, and I accept God's timing. So Isaiah 26.3 says, 
you will be kept in perfect peace. The person whose mind is steadfast because you trust in him. So we also can practice a serenity prayer. And I want you to think about this. In the late 1860s, this writer, he says, my country was in a civil war. And I'm sure you've heard about this war. And it was brutal, shameful, devastating. And the bombing of the World Trade Center, how about this one on September 11, 2001? The only times our country has experienced war on its own soil. And we have been very fortunate. The Civil War was the only war that actually became physical between countrymen. See, our, our, our country fights verbally all the time about one policy, law, or edict. And it's common to individuals who are attempting to live at peace. So God has to heal our country, our land. We were not accomplishing this. We are not doing it on our own. It's becoming more devastating and more brutally bloody with anger and hatred going deeper and deeper. And so God has to bring peace and healing to our land. That's what we want to be praying for. The one thing we can do is that. So when we think about this, I want you to say, what needs to change in you in order for you to be at peace so that you bring peace wherever you go? And being at peace with something doesn't mean I agree. And I say to clients frequently, acceptance does not mean agreement. Acceptance means I'm accepting the fact that it is so that if it can be changed, God will change it. And if he wants to use me as a change agent, I want to be available for that. So let's look at this prayer. I love this prayer. It's by St. Teresa of Avila, 15th century nun of the Carmelite order. Quite an amazing woman. And this is many centuries ago because humans were worrying and warring in the 15th century. And this is what she says, and I have memorized this prayer and it has helped me frequently. And this is what it says, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless his people. So I want you to take to heart that prayer. This isn't, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. But God has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out onto the world, and yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless his people. So let us repent of our worry and our warring. 
which led to trust in self. See, when we worry and we war, we're actually just trusting in ourselves. And there's this famous devotional in Jesus Calling. It's August 10th. And it encourages us to relax in his healing holy presence, that we must allow him to transform us through time alone with him. We center our thoughts more and more on Jesus. And what happens is is that trust displaces the fear and worry. See, our minds are like seesaws, right? As our trust in him goes up, worry and worrying goes down. Time spent with Jesus always increases my trust. The more I get to know him, the more I relax. This heals my brain, my spirit, my soul, and eventually my body. This trust helps me to know what's important and how I'm supposed to spend my time and what I'm supposed to do. So remind yourself, worry and peace cannot coexist. And one of the most amazing things I found was that 365 times in the Bible it says, do not be afraid. Now, don't you think that's kind of interesting? That in the Bible, written thousands of years ago, 365 times, the Bible says, do not be afraid. That means God is in every day with us, every moment, every day. And every day he says, do not be afraid. Do not fear, for he is with you. He is with our country. He is with our world. He has not left yet. And he's not ended things, which means he's doing something. So let's really, truly relax. You know, what's that famous saying? The drunk driver always survives the crash, right? I hate the saying, but I love the concept. Relax. God really is in control of things, no matter how bad it looks. God is with you. So may the peace of God be with you this week. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please Take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-